Welcome to the Disney View Podcast. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer. He's a one-time cast member, and he's been to Disney World literally hundreds of times. Listen in as he talks about one of his favorite things, the Walt Disney World Resort in Orlando, and occasionally beyond the Orlando theme park. And now, here's your host. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. Well, on today's podcast, I wanted to take a slightly different bent on the Walt Disney World Resort and talk a little bit about some of the technological innovations that are happening and some of the things that we're starting to see coming up in the next-gen series of things that Disney is doing. And I may take a slightly more critical view as we go through this, so I'm just kind of warning you up front. I don't mean to be negative about it. I just want to kind of think about it a little bit critically. And I'll explain what I mean as I kind of go through it. But let's get started with my story and kind of how I came around to thinking this way. And it goes back to a few years ago. Now, I've been a longtime visitor to the park, and I think Disney has always been kind of up front with uh, dealing with people coming into the park and treating everyone sort of equally. Now, there was a period of time when they sold different types of passes to the parks. Um, they had special passes that were like all-day passes as opposed to using the ABCDE tickets and so forth. They did some different things um, that kind of differentiated people a little bit, but for the most part, everyone was treated the same. Then over the last few years, you've started to see a new group of people kind of cropping up, and they're the people who are buying into the Disney Vacation Club, people who are uh, buying the high-end vacation package to kind of come to Disney and those sort of things that are kind of differentiating service. So anyway, the story goes that I was uh, eating dinner at Boma one night. Now, Boma, for those of you who don't know, is in the Animal Kingdom Lodge, and it's a uh, buffet. And there was a guest sitting at a table kind of diagonally across from me, and he was complaining. And what was he complaining about? Well, the fact that he paid all this money for his vacation and he didn't want to have to get up to get his food. He wanted it to be served to him. He didn't know that's what they had there. And I'm kind of sitting there and I'm scratching my head a little bit and going, what? You know, it just kind of struck me that it was a strange sort of an approach to your vacation. Yes, you spent a lot on it. I understand that. You know, everyone spends a, little, a lot on it. But it kind of got me thinking about it a little bit. And it's been in the back of my mind for all this time uh, because I, I really had never heard anyone say something like that before. And then uh, recently, uh, last year when I was up at the parks, I, I saw some people who were riding the people mover and were being obnoxious, and they just seemed like elitist, entitled people who felt like they could do whatever they wanted because they spent a lot of money on their vacation. And it started to th- make me think about the differentiation of service a little bit between the average customer who comes in, the guest who comes in on a daily basis or maybe has an annual pass or is staying at the... the um, one of the uh, value resorts as opposed to someone who's staying at, say, a deluxe resort or a Disney Vacation Club property. And then along comes all this news about the changes that they're making to FastPass Plus and this new My Magic Plus that Disney has come up with. Now, let me read for you first from the release that Disney put out internally, uh, and it was from one of these documents that was supposedly leaked from a cast member internal memo. And what it says is, soon, Walt Disney World Resort will introduce tools that allow guests to use technology to customize and personalize their vacation, along with more guest enhancements that will continue to be tested and implemented in the coming years. Many of these efforts are part of the My Magic Plus, which has the ability to connect nearly all aspects of the guest experience. My Disney Experience, a new website and mobile application, will provide a one-stop shop for all things Walt Disney World during every phase of the guest vacation. Guests may use My Disney Experience to get information on all Walt Disney World offerings, reserve dining, and other experiences, and make FastPass Plus selections in advance. 
Disney Fast Pass Plus service will allow guests to lock in some of their must-do attractions and show experiences in advance, freeing them to explore and discover the magic of the Walt Disney World theme parks and resort hotels. For the first time, guests will be able to reserve firework and parade viewing areas, shows, Disney character greetings, and more. The new magic band worn on the wrist will become the key to unlocking the magic, serving as the room key, park admission, access to FastPass Plus selections, photo pass card, and payment account, which is optional, all rolled into one. My Magic Plus, as well as other guest experience enhancements, will continue to be tested and implemented in the coming years. We're continually looking at the ways to take the entire Disney Parks experience to the next level at all our destinations based on the unique way that guests enjoy the diverse uh, sites. Guests, cast, crew, and Imagineer feedback will continue to be a critical part of the process in shaping these offerings. So, that's the, the release that they put out internally that, uh, that got written about. And I read that and I thought, okay, on the surface, it's a very cool thing. I mean, they want to they enhance the guest experience by giving you a, a wristband to wear and being able to take advantage of all these things. Now, FastPass Plus, clearly they want to allow people to pre-select things that they want to do in order to uh, enjoy the parks. Now, I have a little bit of a problem with that. I'm not an Uber planner. I like to go in and kind of decide what I'm going to do when I get there. I don't even generally decide which parks I'm going to go to until the day I actually get up to go to the parks. So it's for me, it seems like it's a little bit overkill because I'm not ready to, to get up and just say, hey, I'm going to the Magic Kingdom and I want to be able to ride Peter Pan at 3 o'clock in the afternoon or I want to be able to ride Space Mountain. That's not the way I plan my day. Now, FastPass kind of changed my thinking to some degree because I started to think about how to approach the parks and maybe even to be able to ride an attraction while I was getting a FastPass. Now, you may remember when they first put FastPass out there, the objective of FastPass was to go out there and uh, get guests out of the queues, out of the lines, so that they would actually be spending money somewhere. So instead of waiting in line for half an hour, you might go into a gift shop and you might spend a little bit of money there, or you might go and buy something to eat and spend a little bit of money there. It didn't quite work out that way for Disney, so they continued to look at ways to evolve it, but FastPass was such a popular experience that they wanted to expand on it. Now comes word that FastPass itself, the original, in, the original thing that you see with the paper tickets, may go away for some of the day guests and uh, people who don't have these uh, vacation offerings. They're not staying on property. They're not, they didn't buy the package, those sorts of things. And that's a little bit daunting. That, you know, that kind of differentiates service a little bit. There's also the discussion about, you know, what do the My Magic Bands do um, for someone else who's maybe uh, an annual pass holder as opposed to someone who is staying on Disney property or staying at a vacation club property or those types of things. Plus, allowing people to kind of pre-select uh, restaurants and parade uh, viewing locations and so forth, that takes away some of the locations for those of us who go into the parks and just enjoy it in that way. And I'm a little troubled by that. That just kind of bothers me because it, you know, now all of a sudden you're creating a different status for different people. Now, I also noticed that at the beginning of this year, Disney announced that they were going to raise ticket prices again, uh, at least for the annual passes and for uh, some of the other uh, things that they, they offer. So the price keeps going up. The price point keeps going up by a percentage every year. And you know that ticket prices are going to go up again in, say, June, because that's about the time that they usually go up. And that just kind of, you know, it kind of confirms the suspicion that, you know, it becomes more of an elitist thing. People are going to want to have to spend the money there. And it just kind of, it troubles me a little bit because it's just different than it was. It used to be everyone can go in. It used to be you could buy your, your admission pass and you could get in for a couple of bucks, you could go to the park. Now, you couldn't ride any of the attractions because you needed the, uh, the tickets to be able to ride the attractions. But they cost, you know, I think an A ticket was $0.10, cents, $0.20, cents, something like that. It was very inexpensive. 
and the e-ticket was like a dollar. I don't remember the exact price, but it was something like that where it was, you know, differentiated in there, and then the prices were different among, along the way. So you could pick and choose the experience you wanted to have. And, you know, there's, there's that, and now it's become something where it's all about the, uh, the bottom line and the almighty dollar. And as I said, I, I'm just a little troubled by that. I, I'll be curious to see where it all nets out, but it just it's bothering me a little bit, and I, I thought I needed to talk about it a little bit. Now, one of the things that, that kind of intrigued me about this, kind of flipping it a little bit, the idea is to catch this millennial group. These are the people that were born in the early 1980s, say 82 to 84, uh, between then and 2000 and maybe 2002. And those people are the next up-and-coming group that will probably have some money. So at this point, you've got some 20-something-year-olds on the early end of that group who have a little bit of money who are now looking to use technology to their advantage. So in a way, the technology piece of it is really capitalizing on that. And I think there's a lot of positive pieces to that, and I'm not, I think that's a very good thing. When I look at that, I go, okay, that's kind of cool because you're actually capitalizing on the fact that they use technology and they use it well. And I think that's a very positive part of this. And, you know, I'm a technology adopter as well. I, I love technology. Uh, so, you know, I think it's a really cool thing that they're offering this and, you know, the fact that they have some online sites and some apps and some things that you can do to really enhance your experience, I think is pretty cool. And the next gen technology, technology takes on more enhancements too, because they'll be offering more things like this idea of, you know, taking the camera and being able to see a uh, location and see what used to be there. What did it look like in the past? When you move your camera around, it'll show you what it looked like in different eras. You know, there's some cool things that come out of that. But I am just, you know, I'm just a little bit put off by this, this differentiation of service that I'm starting to see. I'm a person who believes that, you know, everyone should be treated equally and there shouldn't be this difference. And I, I kind of have the feeling in the back of my mind that Walt wouldn't approve, just generally speaking, you know, because everyone should be in that equal status and you should just be able to go and have a good time. It shouldn't be about spending a fortune and, and going and seeing the, uh, seeing everything. Now, as I say, you know, there's, there's some goods that come with this. I mean, you look at some of the things that they're doing, the, the enhancements that they're making to different parts of the parks where they do this Fantasyland expansion, and there's some tremendous offerings there. Um, you know, and it's just, it's something that's really unique and they've never done before. I think that's kind of cool, and I think there's a lot to be said for that. But you lose some of the subtle nature of what the park was all about. Now, you can go back into the history and think about Walt Disney World and the Magic Kingdom just being an afterthought in terms of Walt's vision of Epcot and what he had intended there. And, you know, you can say, okay, it, it kind of makes sense because you're evolving the technology and you're doing that. But as you start to think about parks worldwide, you realize that it kind of changes the whole specter of it. And it's, it's really seems to be about the, the bottom line. And it's not about the guest experience per se, though it turns out to be along the way. Um, so, you know, the idea would be these magic bands that you might wear. Uh, you know, you would have um, an RFID in there so you could go find your party by, you know, going to a kiosk or a web, you know, web-enabled uh, application to be able to look for where, you, where the other people in your party are that are wearing those RFIDs. You could, um, you could actually have personal data on there. So, you know, instead of wearing a pin that says it's my birthday, you go through a doorway and it you know, flashes something up for a cast member that says it's your birthday. Those types of things. And the technology itself, very, very cool. And I think there's a lot, to, as I say, there's a lot to be said for that. What I don't want to see is just this differentiation where you have these elitist people who are better than you because they've spent more money and they have these features that you can't get. You know, I, as a day guest, I don't know. Will I be able to get them? I really don't know at this point, but I, I certainly hope that Disney offers it because to, to lose out on that would be really a shame. Disney has always prided itself on making itself available to anyone. 
and Disney World in, in particular, and the concept of having different things, uh, different means for you to, to be able to get to the park and enjoy it, and taking in especially Florida residents. And Florida residents really do populate the park in those in those downtimes. So you have that period of time, like right after the New Year, until say President's Day, and then again for a couple of months for a couple of months in between, whenever President's Day happens to fall, and when um, Easter happens to fall, you have a period in there. You've also got a period between like the end of Easter and uh, when the uh, summer starts, when there's a, uh, an off peak time. And then in the, uh, in the fall, right after uh, school resumes, after Labor Day, essentially, until almost Thanksgiving, slow time in the parks. So Florida residents are the ones who come in there and really uh, populate the parks. And we do spend money there and we do things. And sometimes we stay on property and sometimes not. But the price point just keeps kind of skyrocketing. I was looking at the Art of Animation Resort recently. Uh, I was over there and I was checking it out. And the resort is beautiful, especially the car section. And I thought about staying there. But then I looked at the price point. It was $320 a night for a family suite. Now, we're a family of five, so a regular room doesn't quite cut it for us. Um, So a family suite was the way to go. But $320 is a daunting number. I mean, that's just unbelievable. So we looked at, you know, could we get a discount? There's a Florida resident discount that was going on. It was about, you know, we could get it down to about $200 a night. $200 a night is still more than we wanted to spend, so we wound up staying off property. And that's fine. You know, I'd, I'd prefer to stay there. I'd really like to check it out and enjoy the amenities. But, you know, at the price, it's just really hard to afford. And, you know, you look around and you go, people are paying it. And that, you know, it's great for Disney. And, you know, as a shareholder, I think that's tremendous. But it just kind of makes me wonder just a little bit where Disney is going because it makes it harder and harder to stay on property. Um, you know, I'm just seeing that and I'm realizing that, you know, things continue to evolve and change. It's not the world it once was. You know, things are different. I mean, even when you take the drive along, I came up um, US uh, uh, 192 as I got off the turnpike and I was traveling along and I was remembering back, wow, you know, 100 years ago when the park first opened, you know, it was all honky-tonk stuff, right? You'd drive along and you'd see the, uh, the, orange, the Florida Orange um, Growers Association or uh, Cooperative they would have all their, their different displays along the road. You had people selling um, tapestries or, you know, uh, you know, basically wall hangings. You had people selling uh, cypress clocks and tables and things. And, you know, you had a lot of that stuff. You had shelves and you had these outlet stores that would sell, like, you know, junky merchandise. But it had a certain charm to it. And all of that is gone now, or most of it is gone anyway. It sort of leaves itself open in a strange way where there's just not that same richness in the, in the environment around it. You know, everything's kind of built up to kind of promote, you know, something greater, right? So then you go in, you know, you're going along and you see all these things and it's a little bit higher end as you go along. There's more outlet stores and there's more things there um, that are truly outlet stores, you know, like it's a, you know, it's a factory outlet instead of being, you know, just your uh, mom and pop outlet. And things are different. And, you know, I, I miss, maybe I miss the old days. Maybe I live in the past a little too much and I reminisce a little bit in my mind. But I see that and I think to myself, wow, how, when did everything change? I mean, I know it's been changing over the years, but in the last five to ten years is really when I've seen a huge change in the way the entirety of the uh, of the park runs, the way that the, uh, the you know sort of the change in the philosophy and how they treat guests. I'm not saying they treat them poorly because they treat them really well. Still, it's just a different experience. So I will be curious to see where all of this nets out. What kind of things happen with the entirety of the experience with FastPass Plus and My Magic Plus? I really do want to see what they do. I'm not you know, not trying to say that it's going to be awful or horrible. 
I'm just hoping that they do it right, that uh, it really doesn't create this differentiated class and that we have some people who are the haves and the people who are the have-nots. You know, if you didn't get your magic, my magic uh, thing before you got there, well, sorry, you know, you're not going to be able to take advantage of FastPass, but these people, they can go ahead and get on the line in the front. That's something that's kind of bothered me about, like, Universal. You can go out and you can buy the front-of-the-line pass, right, and spend some extra money and do that. And that just doesn't seem right. That's not the Disney way. But if it works, I guess, you know, that it, that could become the Disney way. So we'll see. Oh, and just one more thing that I wanted to mention. This idea that they've come up with for limited time magic this year. I'm a little bit uh, perplexed by that. Uh, the concept is good that they want to do different things every week and, you know, have something going on. But if the objective is to draw people in and give them something to experience, then you're, not, you're telling them about it like a week in advance. And if you're planning your trip six months in advance, you don't know what the experience is going to be until basically you get there. And that seems a little strange to me. It's kind of an odd way to draw people in. You know, if you want to bring them in, you should be telling them kind of generally what kinds of themes you're going to be dealing with throughout the course of the year. So I'm kind of curious to see where Limited Time Magic goes. For the, sh- for the first one, it's um, continuing to have New Year's Eve celebrations um, and a dance party with Buzz Lightyear and friends. Um, and the next ones, who knows what they're going to be. But uh, it's kind of an odd thing to do. And, you know, there's sort of the, that, uh, that blurring of the lines. Are you trying to draw people in or are you just trying to do something fun? Is it supposed to be spontaneous? I mean, they've had other things where they've done more spontaneous things and you didn't know what was going to happen. But they didn't make such a big deal about it. Um, so I'm just kind of curious where that all plays out. So that's really all I wanted to talk about was just kind of rant about that for a couple of minutes and just, you know, say a couple of things because it was something that was on my mind and I just wanted to share that with you. I mean, I'm curious to see what you guys think. I mean, I've been reading some of the uh, postings on various uh, message boards and uh, some, uh, some things that I've seen in different sites and I, I've seen kind of a mixed reaction on this and I think most people are wait and see and let's see what it comes of it. But I'll be curious to see what you guys think. And please feel free to drop me an email. It's davesdisneyview at gmail.com. Or you can uh, post back to uh, Facebook or Twitter or wherever you happen to hear this post. Um, you know, you're welcome, to, um, you're welcome to just send me some feedback. I'm curious what you guys think, too. Well, that's it. That's all I wanted to talk about on this podcast. And remember, if we can dream it, we really can do it. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View Podcast. Show notes can be found on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. Looking to do some travel planning? Want to find an authorized Disney vacation planner? You should visit Destinations in Florida. Original music you hear in this podcast is courtesy of Sound On Music. You can find his music at ReverbNation.com slash SoundA. Our thanks also go to Doug for his continued contributions to the show. You can find links to other great Disney podcasts, as well as the latest Twitter feed and the Disney buzz on DisneyPodcast.net. And don't forget to check out Dave's iPhone apps. There's a Hidden Mickeys app for finding and sharing hidden Mickeys at all of the Disney parks around the world. There's also an app designed especially for pin traders. You can keep track of all your pins and your wish lists. Please be generous with your time or a donation to Autism Speaks. We do hope that you've enjoyed your visit and that you drive home safely. Show number 124.